I can't go home right now. I'm ready. Uh, what a special treat. I got to say this. I met George before he met us. So we were serving in the church in Chile when the pandemic hit. The church had nothing recorded, nothing online, nothing on YouTube. We didn't know what to do. And I'm like searching the internet. Man, we got to get some, some worship songs. And we found George in his living room with his little baby just, you know, singing along in his guitar. And we've been watching you. The church in Chile has been watching you for about two years, you know. So I just sent a picture of George and myself to the bros in Chile. Like, look, this is the guy right here. Thank you for coming from L.A. Thank you for what an amazing job. I don't know if you're looking, but uh, we might be looking for a worship leader, but that's another, another conversation for another time. Uh, my name is Nelson Moreto. This is my beautiful, unbelievable wife, Carolina. And we want to say hello bilingually for all of you guys. Hola, familia, iglesia. Estamos tan felices de poder estar aquí celebrando este día con ustedes. Verlos por segunda vez es increíble. Gracias por el, uh, la alabanza, fue increíble, de verdad. Eh, los amamos y esperamos que podamos ser usados por Dios y animarnos unos a otros hoy. Amen. Well, she just said, thank you for having us here. It's awesome to be here for a second time. It feels that like we need to come more often, though. But uh, thank you for having us. It's such a special day as today. Amen. And uh, we're going to, uh, to pray very quickly, uh, also in Spanish and English. Amen. Ay, Padre amado, de verdad, te doy muchísimas gracias por poder estar aquí en el desierto con mis hermanos, nuestros amigos, familiares. Como dijo Luis, uh, no importa de qué parte seamos, pues tú lo escogiste así por alguna razón. Uh, algunos nacimos latinos, otros americanos, otros asiáticos, otros africanos, de todas partes. Um, y es muy especial, es muy especial como nos hiciste. Gracias que ahora también uh, a través de ti podemos estar unidos uh, con tu espíritu, con tu verdad y podemos también ser cambiados y transformados en personas diferentes. Te amamos muchísimo y te pido que nos guíes en este, en este tiempo que vamos a poder hablar de tu parte, que seas tu espíritu, Señor, y que podamos celebrar este día eh, latinoamericano con mucho amor y alegría. Te amamos muchísimo. Gracias de nuevo. Uh, por uh, la iglesia, por los Sweeney's uh, que sirven acá y por todas las personas que han puesto su corazón para que esto sea posible. En nombre de tu Hijo Jesús. Amén. Father, we just want to thank you uh, from the bottom of our hearts for your love, your compassion, uh, for creating relationships, for being in your DNA about relationships. And that's how we feel your love through the relationships. And we're so grateful for this relationship between uh, our churches in our region. Uh, we're so grateful for the Sweeney, so grateful for their friendship, so grateful for the church in the desert and those that have uh, sacrificed so much for so many years to have your gospel spread and your love spread throughout this land. And we're grateful to celebrate uh, Hispanic heritage also. Uh, today, together, and I pray that you will bless everything that we're going to do, especially, Father, that we will listen to your word. Please help your servants be forgotten, but your words be remembered. We love you and we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, 
Uh, some of you know, uh, last month we had a big conference, right, in Orlando, Florida, entitled Vision 2022, after it was 2020, and then we moved to it, right, a little bit. And it was amazing to be there, surrounded by thousands of disciples, worshiping God, learning from God, and calling one, one another higher. Uh, but we also had was special for us, too, because we connected with a lot of people. Yeah, just to let you know, we connected with friends. That some of them we know for more than 20 years. We were also uh, very grateful to God to be able to see our friends, uh, different friends from Chile, Argentina, Bolivia, and Paraguay, uh, that we met when we were in Chile, and that we were able to uh, serve also. And um, it was so incredible to be able to hug them. Um, and we really came back refreshed, and it was really, really amazing. Amen. You know, there's something about, again, relationships. Uh, you know, we went back uh, we, in the mission in the 90s, 93, 97, my wife. And then we went to our hometown, Venezuela, to plant our church there. And, uh, you know, when you get to see, get emotional. When you get to see those people again, 29 years later, 25 years later, people you studied the Bible with and baptized, and now they're leading, uh, you know, a church or helping so many people, um, it just, it, it makes it all worth it, and you actually realize what it's all about. So, you know, it, is, it was an honor, too, at the conference to be able to teach a class in Spanish for the Latin American Brotherhood. So when Scott told me, hey, do you want to come with your wife and, and give a lesson on Hispanic heritage? I thought, why don't we teach the same class we taught together in the summit? Now we won't do it in Spanish, amen? We'll, we'll do it in English. We'll have some bilingual slides in Spanish and English. You know, we'll, we'll throw some Spanish words here and there. But, but I thought it would be appropriate, right? So I want to let you know the theme they gave us for, uh, for this class. The theme was... The church, a church for the world. Una iglesia para el mundo, iglesia para el mundo. And it's very interesting when you go to this conference and they ask you to speak, they give you a line or a theme and then they give you a description. And from the description, you're about to, okay, this is what the lesson is about. So I just want to read the description to you. Uh, it says, poor or rich, outcast or popular, male or female, young or old, Jesus had a heart for each one of them, and each one is called to serve in his kingdom. Our churches must reflect that love and compassion. Every ministry is important to the building up of the body of Christ. Let us discuss practical ideas to involve all members in the work of service and edification of our churches. When I read that, I said, wow, someone got inspired. <laughs> Can you give me something short, like, love people, you know? Uh, so, you know, after much prayer, después de orar mucho, what do we do with this big description? Uh, the Spirit gave us the title for the class we gave, which was Breaking Through, or Derribando. So that's the title for today, amen? And uh, the main point, if you forget anything we say today, I hope we remember, you remember this. The church breaks through into the world. Is it there? Okay, there it is. The church breaks through into the world with divine weapons. 
La iglesia entra al mundo derribando con armas divinas. So our text today is in Matthew chapter 16, and uh, we're going to read from verse 15 to 18. And basically, this is the moment where if you read the chapter of 16 in Matthew, you find Jesus in the beginning uh, arguing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are actually asking him for some signs in their pride. And then he teaches the disciples, be careful of the Pharisees' yeast. Beware of their pride. And then later on, he inquires from his disciples, who do they think he is? Where is their faith at? And that's where we find our text in verse 15 of chapter 16 of Matthew. Amen? But what about you? Who do you say I am? ¿Quién crees tú que soy yo? And Peter replies those famous words that we know. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Amen. It was like an angel from heaven told him this, you know. And he just said it. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gate of Hades will not overcome. We'll focus on the later part of verse 18 and, and answer the question, what did Jesus meant by this? The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Other version says, the gates of death, las puertas del infierno, las puertas de la muerte, the doors of death, another version will say. You know, I've heard it said, especially us Latinos in religious circles, you know, that we we sometimes can misconstrue the scripture to think that the church needs to be protected from the world. We must be careful, mucho cuidado, that the world or the kingdom of death does not enter the church. As if the gates Jesus is referring to belong to the church. Like, we need to keep the doors of the church tightly closed. Because we've got to be careful. The world, el mundo, va a entrar. It's going to enter the church. Is that what he thought about? Is that the interpretation of the scripture? Whose gates was he talking about? Who's in the attack? Who's in the defense? Like, who's in the defense, right? ¿Quién está atacando? ¿Quién está defendiendo? Well, let's take a look at that. He says, The gates of the realms of Hades shall not prevail. And you have a footnote. Tienes un pie de página en tu Biblia. Which basically says, literally, the realm of death. And Jesus said this. I talked to a teacher during this class. And he told me that Jesus said this in this area. Like on a hill, looking over this area. It's an area where there were temples, and they would do uh, pagan sacrifices. It was really awful what would go on right there. And if you could see on your left, yeah, your left on the screen, that temple was the temple to Caesar. And behind that temple was a cave. Inside that cave, there was a body of water so deep, people thought it had no end. So they called it the abyss. And that gate was called the gates. Of Hades. 
So whose gates is Jesus referring to? Who do they belong? Well, it doesn't belong to the church. Jesus did not mean the church has doors to be closed up. It's Hades. It's the realm of the dead that has gates closed up. Now let me ask you, what are doors for? Anybody have doors in their homes? Right? Your apartment or your home? I hope you do. Right? What are they for? Come on, participation a little bit. Right, to block people from coming in, maybe strangers from coming in and stealing what is inside. <laughs> now, you don't want some people to come in and steal what the precious stuff you have inside. Are you getting this? The gates of Hades have doors that are closed up because they don't want something else to come in and steal what's inside. You see, the kingdom of death, which controls the world, doesn't want the church to come into it and save it. So it's closed tightly. The image Jesus had of the church is more like this. Hard work, right? That door is highly closed right there. My wife wanted fire to come out and everything. You know, I couldn't find a video like that, but but you get a picture. This is what Jesus had in mind. The firefighters are the disciples, it's the church. Breaking through the doors of Hades to save what's inside. You see, the church is supposed to break through into the world. Is that the image you have of the church? Or we gotta protect ourselves from the world. Oh no, pobrecitos, si entran, nos van a matar a todos. If the world comes in, it's gonna kill us. No, that's the image. The church breaks through the gates of Hades to save what's inside. You know, many times, if we have the wrong idea, we can close the doors of the church to those who need it most. If we're not careful, we close the doors to the world instead of breaking down the doors in front of the world. Like Nelson said, if we're not careful... Um, we, uh, many of us can even close the doors to our own children. Our children, we know that they belong to heaven while they're small. Well, we learn in the word of God that at some point in their life, the kingdom of evil puts a door between them and God. And this is why we must make sure that we fight to continue knocking down the doors that prevent the message of Christ from reaching them. If we're not careful, we can close the doors of the church when we focus more on the exterior than on the inside of our children. 
how they dress, what music they listen to, how excellent they should be academically. And I'm not saying uh, that it is wrong to guide them on these things in life. Um, But however, some of us can even put pressure on them to behave a certain way in order for us to look good in front of others. And this is totally wrong. If we're not careful, we can concentrate too much on the outside instead of focusing on their hearts. And we know that God cares about the heart more than anything. Sadly, we can also close the doors of the church to our relatives sometimes, thinking things like, being with them is not good for me, they make me struggle, they're very toxic, worldly, they curse too much. In a nutshell, they're too sinful for me. Like, we forget where we come from. And I can only imagine that a relative can perceive the resistance from us, not wanting to spend time with them when we feel this way. And sadly, we drive them away, leaving them locked behind those gates of Hades. We learn in the mission field how we can stop breaking through the gates of death for our brothers or sisters who have left or gone straight in their faith. We also learn that. When we stop calling them, when we stop sharing time with them, when we forget about them, I believe we must always have the doors of the church open for them. Letting them know that they are always, always welcome that the church will always be their home, a safe place to go, and that we want them to continue to be part, uh, be an important part of our lives. And you know, we're on our very journey, even with our own children. They are not loving God right now. And that's pretty painful. You dedicate decades, 18 years of your life, Teaching them that God loves them. That you love them. Unconditionally. And then they make their own decision. It will be so easy to be harsh and rude. But we've decided to just love them. And that's really hard. With the decisions they are making. They know we love them. You know, we talk about everything. They're open with us with maybe too much. (laughs) As I was sharing with Scott the other day, and I just love their friendship. They'll be there for us for so many difficult moments of our lives, especially uh, during this time in California. But uh, we're beginning to, you're beginning to learn to enjoy the suffering without telling God to take it away, which is pretty hard. Uh, but we believe we, if we do that, uh, the doors will be broken down one day. So how do we do this, church? How do we break through, regardless of who you are, like the description says, young or old, whichever ministry you are in, wherever part of town you live, you're going to college, you're in high school, I mean work, you're retired, you've got grandkids, young kids, wherever you're in life, how do we, each one of us, and also collectively, maybe in your small group even, break through into the world? Because we've got we to gotta, we gotta know that Satan have gates 
around the people we love. Around our neighbors, around our communities, our family members, our children, even some of our brothers and sisters. So how do we do this? Well, Second Corinthians chapter 10 tells us, but remember this, the church breaks through into the world with divine weapons. Which are those weapons? Second Corinthians 10 chapter 3 verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We must break through the gates, but not like the world does. Bickering, complaining, quejándonos, gritándonos, screaming at each other. Not like that. But with something else. You know, the biggest weapon that God used, and I love that you read that scripture in the welcome, is love. And we have seen the love of God through these three simple, very simple, very powerful weapons. Humility, vulnerability, and empathy. We believe each one of us, collectively and individually, we can break through into the world Number one, if we are humble. Philippians 2, verse 5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow. Esta escritura está tan cerca de mi corazón. Oh, me asombra cómo Jesús se hizo nada. I'm not going to do it in Spanish, don't worry. Um, yeah, this scripture really is close to my heart, very close. I feel this is one of the scriptures if somebody knows me or the people that knows me, I talk to I talk about it all the time, and it, because it has transformed me, um, I see so much Jesus when I read this, and I meditate on it, and it helps me. It has helped me to change. It amazes me how big, how he Jesus became nothing, nothing. He took away the honor of being equal to God. He didn't use, like the, the scripture says, his high position to his own advantage when he could. When I understood how he didn't put himself on a pedestal, how he humbled himself for me, it broke my heart. It broke the gates of Hades around my heart. As the scripture says, he has the divine power to demolish strongholds. A heart that was hardened by immorality, by infidelity, selfishness, prejudice, criticism, deceit, pride, and much more. Some of you heard a little bit of, of my past before God. And but Jesus' humility broke down all those walls. Verse 5 says we all need to imitate Jesus in our relationships. 
So we, who, am I, who am I to put myself on a pedestal, right? I need to become nothing for others as Jesus did for me. I have to die to my ego and pride because ego separates, divides, hurts people. And as parents, we must also be humble with our children. I believe being humble is recognizing my mistakes quickly before them, learning to ask for forgiveness to them as soon as I mess up or hurt them, being willing to be corrected and helped even from our own children. And you can learn, you can pray for this. I always uh, <laughs> pray for a very sensitive conscience to whenever I'm doing something that is not like, Jesus. So I definitely know that this makes us more accessible as God is accessible for us. Amen. You know, the world doesn't get to see humility. The world doesn't get to see a boss that is humble or a principal or people of authority that are humble that admit their mistakes, that ask for forgiveness quickly. They don't. But if they see you, wherever you are, wherever you live, whatever you do with your life, they see you humble. You will break through. Because I believe humility can break through the doors of pride and arrogance in others. Amen? The second weapon that we believe uh, Jesus used and we can use as well is being vulnerable. Genesis 6 is pretty amazing if you think about this. And there are many scriptures like this one where God expresses to Noah how he felt. He says, my heart is, was deeply troubled. Why did God, the creator of the universe, need to tell a human being that he's in pain? Asaph is the word, or Asaph is the word in, in Hebrew. Hurt, pain, grief. Why do you have to do that? He's God. He didn't have to let Noah know that. He could have just gone on with his plan without expressing how he felt. But yet he did. Matthew 26, you know the scripture, Jesus. Tell his disciples, I'm crushed. I'm grieved to the point of death. Grief. In, in, in Greek, lipe, pain. Very similar to the word in Hebrew. Why would Jesus take his three disciples, the people that he's leading, the people that are following him, that are supposed to imitate him, he's the authority, he's the Lord, and tell them, you know what, I'm so depressed, I want to die. I'd rather not exist. Why would he do that? We see Paul imitating our Lord in many, many places, but in Romans, he tells an entire church, I'm a wretch. What a wretched man I am. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. And even to his own disciple, Timothy. Soy el peor de los seres humanos. I'm the worst of sinners, the worst of humans. Why would he do that? Why would God, Jesus, and Paul, and there are many other examples, be vulnerable 
with others. I ask myself, after I hear this and I, I see these scriptures, did Noah lose faith in God because he was vulnerable? Did Jesus stop having an impact in, the, in his disciples by being vulnerable? Did Paul lose Timothy's respect by being vulnerable? Well, we know the answer, not at all. If God, Jesus, and Paul were vulnerable, I believe we should, um, we should also be like them. In the mission field, we experienced how people full of apathy and hurt were conquered by seeing us being vulnerable. And this grew to be a deep convictions of ours because we saw the power of imitating Jesus in his vulnerability. It is amazing how something that seems so simple as showing our weaknesses and struggles can do so much. When we got to Chile in 2015, we found a church full of hurt, broken relationships, mistrust, and apathy. So we knew we needed to gain their trust and create a safe place for them. And that's when we decided to be open with our struggles with the very people we were helping to be like Christ and to any brother or sister that we spent time with. We talk about our weaknesses. Uh, we try to be as uh, transparent as we could uh, to the whole church letting them see that we're not perfect, that we also struggle and make a lot of mistakes like everybody else. And let me tell you, church, friends, uh, the results were amazing. Um, that's why we have so much conviction in this. We not only got the help we needed, because we also needed help in our marriage. Oh, we went through a lot in our marriage in Chile. That's where, I don't know, uh, all, all, our, yeah, <laughs> all our weaknesses came out. Like, so, but our friends got to know us deeply, and in turn, they were super open with their lives. And in the end, we drew closer and closer to one another and made us all feel safe and free like a family. This all comes from putting into practice scriptures like Philippians 2, 5, that we just read, and in imitating the examples of God, Jesus, Paul, and so many other in the Bible, others in the Bible. And through the Bible, we can also see how Jesus and God despise the lack of vulnerability, or especially when uh, somebody will feel superior or better than anybody else. Believe me, church, this works. Um, it works when, when you think everybody else is better than you. Now, everybody makes mistakes. Raise your hand if you don't make mistakes. Right? Exactly. We all make mistakes. We all blew it. But very few have the courage to admit it. Let alone ask for forgiveness quickly. If you, wherever you are, in your family, 
with your siblings, with your kids, with your neighbors, at work, in college, wherever you are, high school, if you are vulnerable, you will break through the walls and the gates of Hades. You'll break down apathy, distrust, distance. I mean, we saw it at, we, we've seen it not only in Chile, but we see it in Florida. But, in, you know, in Chile, people told us before we went, because we wanted to go years before 2015, people told us, don't go. You might just lose your faith, bro. I mean, it was that bad. People didn't want to go. It was like the, the black hole in our churches. It was so, so bad, the situations they've gone through. Plus dictatorship they have for many years. I mean, we have people in the church that, you know, their, their dad or grandfather had killed family members of all the disciples in the church through the dictatorship. And they were in the church. You think that's a little bit of difficult, you know, conflict resolution time? They didn't even like each other. And we, we saw how, and it's so simple, but we could miss it, guys. How these broke down the walls, and they started doing the same thing with one another. They started, wow, I can relate to you, and you can relate to me. I can be close to you. You can be close to me. And if you, wow, we, we love those people. They became true family with one another. And we must do this as leaders. We're not going to lose respect. We're not going to lose authority. Talk about who, what you're going through. You'll be surprised how many disciples, how many people in God's church can help you. Even if they've been around for a little while. They have the Spirit, amen. They have the Bible, amen. They can help you. And last but not least, uh, the last weapon that we believe is very powerful to break through into the world is being empathetic. And we know the, the scripture, but it's one of those that I love. Hebrews 4.15, But we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, yes, as we are, yet he did not sin. Nuestro sumo sacerdote comprende nuestras debilidades. Well, this is another character of Jesus that shows me God's love for me. Uh, it is still hard for me to grasp how can the Son of the Living God can empathize with me when He never sinned, when He is God, when He's from heaven. But this is the power of the love of God for me and for all of us. The perfect Son of God came down and suffered a human life with all of his temptations and difficulties just to be able to empathize with you and me. Isn't that amazing? How incredible that we have a high priest in Jesus who understands us. Think about the power of empathy. Uh, Bryn Brown wrote, I'm in with you. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to feel with you and let you know you're not alone. 
This is exactly what Jesus and God did and do for me and you. And to tell you the truth, it continues to break my heart and makes me love him back every day. I believe that if we want to break down the doors of evil, we must be empathetic like Jesus. Listen to others, but listening actively. Showing that we really care and that we're interested in what they're telling us. Not only listening to the words, but what is the heart behind those words. Putting ourselves in the shoes of others as Jesus did. Feeling their pain, their worries, their weaknesses. You know, I don't know about you guys, but we like to fix things, right? I mean, we guys, we like to fix everything. Especially the men right here. And it was really hard for me to learn that if I want to fix something, keep it to the house and the car and, you know, material things, but not people. And it took me a long time to learn that from my wife. And actually, all of these things that we're talking about is what I watched her live out. Because I'm not like that by nature at all. I'd rather be by myself, be selfish, be prideful, and, and not be loving. So I learned all that from her. And church, in, in, in our relationships, in our communities, if we're empathetic, we'll break through. Just being there with someone. We don't have to fix them. They don't want to be fixed. I don't want to be fixed. You don't want to be fixed. You don't want to be alone. You want someone to be just with you and listen. So let us be careful where we put the doors. The doors are not in the church. The church will have arms that are open and ready to break through the gates of Hades. But don't close the doors of anyone. The church is open with open arms for everyone. Young and old, rich and poor, prostitutes. I mean, everybody. Homosexuals and transgenders and everybody. We're here for everyone. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We should open the doors and the arms for everyone and break through. The church should break through into the world with divine weapons. Jesus' weapons. God's weapons. They demolish the strongholds. That's what the Bible says. You know, in a moment, we'll take communion. And I want us to remember the example of our Lord. Jesus Christ, the Son of the Almighty God. The one who everything was created by Him and through Him. Imagine how He could have come. The powerful, mighty Jesus. But yet He came humble, vulnerable, empathetic putting himself at our own human level. And you think about it, that is what broke your heart and my heart. We are here taking communion today because Jesus used divine weapons to break through the walls in front of our hearts. So let's think through that. Let's think through Jesus' humility, vulnerability, and empathy.
as we take the Lord's Supper and follow in his footsteps to become a church for the world. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Uh, thank you for relationships. I thank you for Jesus' humility, Father. Te agradezco por su humildad, su vulnerabilidad, su empatía. His vulnerability and empathy and humility. And Father, I pray that we can take communion with a, with a grateful heart and a broken heart, yearning to imitate your Son. Ayúdanos a tomar esta comunión con un corazón quebrantado, pero también agradecido, queriendo imitar a tu Hijo Jesús. We do not deserve your love, but yet you keep loving us. Thank you so much. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray for communion. Amen.